Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. God is a great God. Technology changes everything. Praise the Lord that we have technology and we have smart people who can make it work. Hallelujah. Pray for our children who are stressed. Pray for those around us and among us who are hungry and starving. I pray for those who don't have the presence of mind to check on other people to see how they are doing. And I pray that fatigue and anxiety that fills our personal spaces will not destroy us as we move through this pandemic. Families are struggling to stay in a sacred space with each other without wanting to really hurt each other. And our whole lives have changed and been turned upside down. I pray that our church will pray more than we have ever prayed before. And all day, every day, I ask God to give us a desire to pray. Whenever I hear someone say they don't have time to pray, then I know that there is a problem in the land. And when I hear people say that they don't have time to stop and pause to pray for others, I know that there is work to be done. So I'm asking God to stir up the spirits of all of the people who are too lazy to pray. I'm asking God to make them uncomfortable when they neglect to pray and that Netflix and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and all of the other means that we use to escape realism will help us to realize that we need a fresh encounter with God. And the only way that we're going to make it through this pandemic and get to the other side is that we need to hear from God, not only individually, but we need to hear from God collectively. Let the church say amen. We need to take the time to reach out to God ourselves, and we need to wait until God answers us. And we need to understand that this is personal. If you're too busy to pray and reach out to God, then you've already been doomed to death because God speaks to our spirits. It is God who gives us wisdom. It is God who informs us. It is God who inspires us. It is God who directs us. It is God who supports us. It is God who coaches us. It is God who counsels us. And I'm praying that we get to the point that we realize with no connection to God, there is no life and victory. If there is no fresh, anointing from God, there is nothing we can do. So Heavenly Father, right now I pray and ask that you will bless this word. I pray, dear God, that you will stir us up spiritually and that you will give us a desire to be intimate with you. 
I pray for fresh revelations for everyone under the sound of my voice in the church family watching us, those across the world. And Lord, I pray right now that you would touch the hearts of the unsaved and those who do not know you and the partner of their sins. I ask right now, dear God, that you will show yourself strong and that you will speak light in darkness to let us know that the world is not over until you say so, that the world will not end until you speak, oh God. So right now, we know that our victory is in you because you are God of this universe, the creator of all things. And we claim this victory in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, amen. amen. The scripture that has been given to me for today comes from John, the second chapter. And this is where John tells us about Jesus clearing the temple. I thought it was fascinating and I kept reading it over and over again because I found that it was rare that Jesus would just get an attitude and Jesus got angry and Jesus responded to his anger and I thought that was fascinating so I kept digging to see if I had made a mistake. And the theories and the scholars that I read said no, he actually cleaned the temple out. Jesus teaches us today sometimes you got a clean house. Sometimes you got to say no more. Sometimes you got to say, my people have gone crazy. <laughs> Sometimes you got to say, that's not what I told you to do. Sometimes you got to speak up and you got to do what's right in the midst of darkness. You ought to say amen. So the word says that when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, that Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple court, Kelly, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves and others sitting at tables exchanging money. And then the word says, Victoria, that he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts. He drove the sheep out, the cattle out, he scattered the coins of the money changers, he overturned their tables. It was looking as if Jesus was having a temper tantrum. Kind of reminded me of my great-grandson, but he wants to have his way. He just runs through the house and makes everybody listen, whether they want to or not. Jesus says, stop turning my father's house. Stop. Jesus said, stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. He said, I want you to stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. It's sad when the people of God do not respect the house of God. And Jesus said to them that he wanted them to respect the house of the Lord. My sermon title is Fresh Revelation from God. Revelation is an uncovering or bringing to light that which has been previously hidden or only obscurely seen. And God has various ways and at different times a supernatural revelation of himself and his purposes and plans for us. If we are in relationship with God, we ought to have some revelation from God. The scriptures are not merely the record of revelation, they are the revelation itself in a written form in order to maintain the accuracy and the preservation of the truth. Revelation is the supernatural communication of truth to the mind. And God revealed himself in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. When is the last time that God spoke to you? When is the last time God revealed himself unto you? 
The word of God says that after Enoch begot Methuselah, that he walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. The Bible says that Abraham, then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your descendants, I will give you this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. The word says that Sarah was visited by the Lord. And the Lord did for Sarah what he has promised. So every now and then God will show up in our humanness to remind us that I am good for my word. And although you might not see it now, it is going to come to fruition. I love the story of Hagar who was in the wilderness and the Lord, she called on the name of the Lord and the Lord said, you are and you shall see and your son will be saved, hallelujah. Ever prayed over your child or your family and God spoke to you to say, it's all right, I have you covered right now. And the Lord appeared to Isaac the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham your father, fear not. For I am with you and will bless you and I will multiply your descendants for my servants for Abraham's sake. The Lord spoke to Jacob and said, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Hallelujah. Remember the promises that God makes to you and it doesn't matter how long it takes. I just realized a promise God made to me 30 years ago recently. But I realized that God does not always say it's going to be overnight or by UPS or it's going to be by FedEx. Sometimes you just got to wait on the Lord. That's not really theologically true. All of the time you got to wait on the Lord. The Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man, but the Lord showed him mercy and gave him favor. The Lord walked with Moses and he had faith and the Lord was with Moses when he was in Egypt. Is the Lord with you? Do you really have conversation and revelation from God? The Lord was with Moses and Aaron from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tent. I tell you, with the world that we live in, you better have a relationship with God. And the word of God says the whole, Moses said that the whole congregation, this is in Hebrews, that this is the thing which the Lord commanded you to do. And the glory of the Lord will appear to you. And the Lord appeared in a tent in a pillar of cloud. And the pillar of cloud stood by the door of the tent. What I realize is sometimes we don't realize that God doesn't show up the way that we think God's going to show up. Sometimes God is in a commercial. Sometimes God is in the spoken word. Sometimes God is in a neighbor. Sometimes God comes through a child. Sometimes God comes through the red beans and rice that you're cooking to let you know that I'm going to give you something better later on. Sometimes God comes through your grandmother, your parent, or your aunt. So God speaks to us in all different ways. But sometimes because we don't have a strong relationship with God, we don't know that we are hearing the voice of God. You ought to say amen. You ever miss God? You ever miss God and realize later on that you know the Lord told me that? But I was expecting a, a, a smart TV, but God sent me a little portable radio, so I miss God. So what we have to do is be open to how God will reveal himself. It's not the same for everyone. Gideon said, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he said to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of warrior. 
Has the Lord ever spoken to you when you didn't think you could go another step? Has the Lord ever lifted your spirits to let you know that you are not alone? You ought to read the Psalms and read about David when David says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. If you go through the Bible and the New Testament, you will find that God appeared to so many. Mary, Jesus' mother, Joseph, Elizabeth, the shepherds, the Magi, Simeon, uh, Anna, John the Baptist, Andrew, Peter, the woman at the well, Martha, Mary, the thief on the cross, all of the disciples. If you have not had an encounter with God, I am praying on this day that you will find new revelation and fresh revelation from God. Let me share with you the context of this scripture. Context meaning that this is what's going on in the situation, and this helps you to understand the context and why Jesus reacted the way that he did. Jesus now moves into the center of Israel's greatest festival. The Passover, Pastor Joseph, was anything but a great quiet family wedding in Canaan. It was a national gathering of God's people in the sacred city to celebrate their deliverance from Egypt and their birth as a nation. And no wonder it was a huge, noisy affair, yet at the heart of it was a sacrifice, the spilling of blood and the offering of life as God had commanded through Moses long before. Every adult male within a 15-mile radius of Jerusalem was required by law to come, and thousands of Jews scattered through the Roman Empire made the sacred pilgrimage uh, for this great personal uh, celebration. And in the middle of the Holy Festival was a rigged business operation that was enmeshed in the whole ecclesial apparatus and controlled by the high priest. In other words, this was a holy occasion and the high priest had decided that we might as well make some money while we're here. The Gentile coins from Rome or Greece, Egypt, and even Palestine were too unclean for the sacred tax. So they had to be exchanged for half a shekel. And the hidden cost of this exchange equal another day's wages. So in other words, the context is, is that the people in the temple were robbing from the poor who had come to celebrate the Passover. That's why I'm always cautious about what happens in the church. There's some activities that should never happen in the Lord's house. I must say it again. There are some activities that should never happen in the Lord's house. There are some words that should never be spoken in the Lord's house. There are some actions that should never be taken in the Lord's house. There are some facial gestures that you should never have in the Lord's house. And there are some attitudes we should never have in the Lord's house. There are some thoughts that should be cast out of our heads when we're in the Lord's house because this is a sacred space and this is where our Lord lives. So the context of this is that Jesus was saying, this is the Lord's house. This is my father's house. And now here you are making money and using the poor so that you can justify and make a profit. And Jesus had an attitude about that. Have you ever had an attitude? Anybody in here, can I get a witness, ever had an attitude? Oh, you guys are too good to have an attitude. All right. 
We're sitting here in the Lord's house saying we've never had an attitude. If you've ever had an attitude, you ought to raise both hands and let the church say amen. amen. But isn't it good that God will retrieve you in the midst of your bad attitude? <laughs> and isn't it God, good that God will speak to you in the midst of your meltdown? Sometimes people have meltdowns in the church. Sometimes people have meltdowns when they don't get what they want. Sometimes people have meltdowns when they don't have their way. So what we learn from this is that this is the Lord's house, and Jesus is saying, I want you to respect what belongs to the Lord. People used to, and I was guilty of this growing up in the Baptist church. We sold fish and chicken and everything you could. We had car washes, and sometimes it was terrible. We would work all day and maybe wash six cars. Well, we could have made a sacrifice, but what we had had a day off and done what God had told us to do. There are some things that are not theologically or scripturally true, and we make stuff up. And there are some things that are not in the Bible at all. Fundraising is not in the Bible. Selling chicken dinners and fish dinners on Friday night is not in the Bible. What the Lord says is that I'm going to give you and bless you, and all I want you to do is give me my tenth back, and you will be blessed. So we need to... I know you weren't in the Baptist church like me and you didn't sell fish dinners and those fish sandwiches and you didn't, I mean really by the time we collected all the fish and cleaned the fish and did all of that, we could have given the church $10 and we would have been done. And so what I'm saying here is that we need to get our theology straight and what is the purpose of the Lord's house and how the Lord's house is supposed to be used. All four gospels tell the story of the cleansing of the temple. And John's gospel places the cleansing at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. In other words, Jesus is headed to Calvary. And he's going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus is preparing the way. And so that is the context of this scripture. And there are three theories about the difference between John and the Synoptic Gospels with regard to the thing of the serpent. But most scholars believe that the cleansing of the temple took place toward the end of Jesus' life as reported. And so we discover that Jesus walks into the temple, Deacon Shereen, and he found those who sold oxen sheep. Can you imagine one day you come to Pleasant Grove and we're selling ducks and chickens and cattle and we just got a whole, you know, marketplace here where you can buy whatever you want. And Jesus looked around and it says that on the first way it was unblemished animals are unacceptable for sacrifice and it would be difficult to maintain. And when he arrived and he saw the money exchanges and he realized what they were doing and they were taking advantage of the people, Jesus had an attitude. I thought that was so great to see Jesus in motion. But Jesus got angry, but Jesus channeled his anger into action. And what Jesus did is that he threw them out. I don't ever want the Lord to throw me out. When it's time for me to go, I want to go on my own. I thought it was wonderful that Jesus made a whip, of course. Have you ever realized that? I, I'm saying Jesus is getting a little violent here. And he threw them all out of the temple, both the sheep and the oxen. And he was making a whip, of course. And Jesus drives them out, the large animals and everything. The word says with over 100,000 pilgrims in the city and the sacrifice that it seems likely that they would not be easily drawn out and that the poor people would have gotten more respect. 
The atmosphere in the temple on this day, Brenda, was like being at the North Carolina State Fair. Hot dogs, soda, funnel cakes, all of that food. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus said, I wanted to stop, and I wanted to stop now. And the people around him wanted to know, who gives you the authority to come in here and to tell us what to do? Because at this time, the true identity of Jesus had not been recognized. Even the disciples did not completely understand. The word said that those who sold the doves, he said, take these things out of here. Don't make my father's house a marketplace. And in the Semitic, Jesus criticizes the vendors for making the temple into a den of thieves, suggesting that the problem is their unethical business practices. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus criticizes not their ethical behavior, but their very presence in my father's house. This is the first time that Jesus identifies God as his father, but the Jews who challenged him in verse 18 failed to pick it up. In other words, they were so hung up on the physical structure, sometimes like us. Sometimes when I ask people, what church do you go to? They tell me about the physical structure that sits on the hill and the color of the brick and the, the walls. And I'm looking at them going, no, 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 no. I want to know about the church that you are a part of. Because we are more than this building. We are more than the Family Life Center. We are more than the space that we come to worship in. We are the people of God. And that's what Jesus was saying to them is that you, well, I will, you can slay me or kill me if you want to, but in three days I'm going to get up. And I'm getting up on the power that God has given me. And they were so confused, they were saying, no, 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 no. It took us 46 years to build this temple, and you're trying to tell me that you can do it in three days? They missed the connection that Jesus was talking about his body being the temple of God. And Jesus was saying that I have come into this space to give you fresh revelation from God. I have come into this space to let you know that what you're doing in the Lord's house is not acceptable. I have come into this space to let you know that God is ushering in a new season. And in three days, that's gonna be a new revelation. Unfortunately, church, there's so many around us who have not received the message yet. But Jesus died, and in three days, he got up so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That's enough to praise God for. And what really struck me is that Jesus wanted this congregation and his group at the Passover to take a deeper look at their hearts. Jeremiah said, this is what the Lord says, that cursed is the one who trusts in a man and draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will see prosperity when it comes and they will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. And then in verse number seven, Jeremiah said, but blessed, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, which confidence, whose confidence is in him. Our confidence cannot be 
and our parents, our sisters, our brothers, our pastor, the trustees, the deacons. Yes, we have confidence, but our total confidence has to be in Almighty God and the God that we serve. We have to understand that our confidence cannot be anchored in humanity, but our confidence has to be anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. And then Jeremiah said that those who have confidence in the Lord will be like a tree planted by the water, my, 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 that sends out its roots faster by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Are we in a year of drought? Are we in a year of worry? But the word of God is saying that confidence in the Lord will dry up your doubt, will dry up your anxiety, will dry up your despair. That's what the word of God says. And I'm encouraging you to go to the word of God because many of us are drowning in despair and anxiety and we don't know what to do, but the word of God promises is that if you would just have confidence in God, that he will give you what you need and he will transform your situation. Oh, I wish I had a witness. And then Jeremiah said they would be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Hallelujah. It does not fear when heat comes and his leaves are always green. He has no worries in a year of drought. But then he reminds us that the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You ever been in a situation somebody loves you today? but won't speak to you tomorrow. Somebody tells you the best thing that ever happened to them. That's what Gladys Knight said, but she found something different. Is <laughs> that we gotta realize that these hearts within us are deceitful. And we don't even understand our own hearts at times. And the word of God says, I the Lord search the heart and I examine the mind. Are you prepared? for the Lord to search your heart? Are you prepared for the Lord to examine your mind? And then Jeremiah says that God will reward each person. Thank you, Jesus. The word of God says, Danny, that God will reward each person according to their conduct. Thank you, Jesus. According to what they do, thank you, Jesus. According to what their deeds deserve, thank you, God. So I don't need to judge you. I don't need to do anything. All I need to do is pray for you and let the Lord do his work. Because the word of God says that I am going to be the final word. And every day I ask God to be certain that my heart is clean and pure. And every day I ask God to give me a clean heart so I can serve you, oh God. Give me a clean heart so you can use me, oh God. Take out all the darkness in my heart, oh God, so that I can be used by you. So today my prayer is that our hearts will be cleansed by the Holy Spirit. Our heart is the gateway, the portal. I know that Brett Vincent gave us a leadership portal but God gave us another portal in his heart, in our bodies, and that's our heart. 
and the portal of our entire being. So whether we open or close the doors of our hearts determines what's let into our inner being. You cannot receive everything that's given to you because some of it is not of God. In other words, the heart becomes both the entrance and the exit of our being. And whatever enters into us must enter through the heart. And whatever comes out from us must proceed through the heart. We can see that our heart functions as both the loving, lo loving organ and the gateway of our being. Be careful of the things you allow into your heart. When we heard the gospel of how the Lord Jesus died on the cross for our sins, our hearts were touched. We sensed the depth and the sweetness of his love for us and responded to his love. We couldn't help but love him in return for all he has done for us. So when we open the doors of our hearts to believe in him and receive him, we received him into our spirit and we are born again. It's the spirit that transforms our hearts. But it was our heart that first had to open up to let him in. And it is my prayer that everyone, everyone, will receive the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It is my prayer that this Christmas, that the best and only gift you give yourself is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is my prayer that no matter what you get, that you receive fresh anointing and a fresh revelation from God. So now I ask you to help me praise God for sending us a savior when we could not save ourselves. Come on, let's give God praise for blessing us, for blessing us, for blessing us and saving us when we could not save ourselves. Glory.
is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.